Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money, what kind of accent was that? I don't have no idea. UK football coming up strong. UK, Kentucky football coming up. In a matter of weeks. I don't know when this airs. Maybe it's we already started. We look good. Well, I don't know how we look, admittedly. I mean, the depth chart is fascinating. I just wanted to throw that word in. It sounds cool. I have cool. no idea what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the lineup, but it's just not the lineup. It's called the depth chart. Sounds cool. Yeah, very cool. Nice to meet you, Mr. Coach. Good luck with your foosball. Uh, Will Levis, certainly one of the most uh, talked about quarterbacks. We had him on the show a year ago. Ponder and bring him back in. I certainly know. I think he would he would easily come back in and give us an hour, but I don't know. I don't know if we want to do that. We'll an see. hour? These are 15 minute episodes. Well, come on. Those are going to go down in history when he, it's true. When, he, when he wins the Super Bowl some year, you know, and we can bring it back out. Say, we knew Will when. Mm-hmm. Anyways, exciting time period in the bluegrass. And then right, rolling right into October, you got Keeneland coming up. I mean, if you don't know any, I mean, if you've never been to Kentucky, Kentucky is one of the. Uh, Kentucky is one of the the most you know well kept secrets in the country, in my opinion. We make the news every once in a while for weird things. Unfortunately, we were just in the news for the floods in eastern Kentucky. Horrible, horrible devastation there. Uh, you know, it just kind of gets a bad rap. People will look at that and go, "Well, why is there flooding in such a poor area?" We well, have to understand a lot of those hollers, right, are are kind of carved out sections uh, in the mountains. Uh, that rivers run through often, and when those rivers rise, uh, there is no escape. I mean, there is. It's not like you can just get away, drive your car, and and get to flatter ground. I mean, th- th- it, the whole thing can wash out. It's not uncommon. We had major flooding back at the, I think, December of last year in that area. Again, massive devastation in that area again, and and not, not a lot of. Uh, People are are prepared for that Ter- terrible devastation. So we make the news for things like that. The tornado that was in Western Kentucky a couple of years ago. I mean, just absolutely awful. And then, of course, we make the news in May when we roll around with the Derby, uh, the two minutes at Churchill. And then, of course, our our basketball and football teams every once in a while. Bourbon. I mean, it's just it's, it's a it's an amazing it's an amazing area. It's true. Anyways, all right. You're a man of few words. I don't know right? how we transition from that to the. Well, we do. Well, diversity. We go, we go right Kentucky into has it. has a lot of diversification. Oh, I like it. That was a good one there because Jessica's got a, com- a question today about diversification. I think it's a good one. Jessica, what do you got? DIY. Hi, DIY Money Guys. My name is Jessica, and I'm 28, and my question today is about asset allocation. For a bit of background, my husband is 32, a teacher, and makes about 60000 a year. I'll be finishing my degree in data science next year and hope to be making about 70000 we currently rent and have no debt. We have about 175000 invested spread out over all of our retirement accounts as of July 2022. About half of this is in the Vanguard S&P 500 funds, and the other half is in the Target retirement funds, all of which are with Vanguard. He wants to add a small cap fund, a REIT, and some sort of additional bond exposure as well. Now that we've been investing for six or seven years, it's harder to keep up with the allocation compared to when we first began. Do you have any advice for simplifying these decisions? Thank you for your help. All right, Jessica. First of all, 
Bravo on a great start. Discipline strategy. I really like the approach here uh, as far as retirement savings at your age, your you know income levels, etc. I'm guessing that you are probably accruing a balance for maybe buying a house in the future or something along those lines. It sounds like, again, being disciplined with no debt and renting is just a, a, a great approach. So bravo to you and your husband for doing that. Bravo. Also bravo for, for trying bravo. to keep things simple. I would have to say, if somebody was asking me, Quint, what, what uh, would you say is the biggest mistake you made in uh, finances uh, throughout your career? I would say avoiding simplicity. I tried to get cute with a lot of my uh, financial affairs. Now, sometimes that served me well uh, with opportunities that I, I got involved in. Sometimes it didn't. I, I mean, probably on balance, it was a net, net even. But I, I, in hindsight, what I should have done 30 years ago when I started to plunk money into the market is do just what you're doing and buy index funds and forget about it. Uh, you know, just, just dollar cost average into index funds and never worry about it again. And, and it would have uh, done exceptionally well. I looked for unique opportunities over diversified, tried to time the market at times. I mean, you, you name it, I made the mistake. So uh, bravo for, for your trying to, to remain uh, simplistic. I would say that there's two approaches here. One is you can just target date your entire portfolio. Just because uh, you are target dating maybe in some retirement accounts doesn't mean you can't do that inside uh, the other accounts that you might be self-managing or self-directing outside of your 403B or 401K or whatever it may be. Uh, target date and forget it is a perfectly fine strategy. I have watched and seen a lot of people knock it. They knock it due to the environment we might be in. So when bonds were declining and target date funds were really suffering earlier this year, people were immediately coming out and saying, oh, look, look how bad the target date funds are. Uh, they have overly exposed to long-term bonds and, and even shorter-term bonds, and they're declining. I mean, you name it, and they're going to give it a bad rap. The problem is, is that over a longer period of time, the diversified asset allocation within a target date fund, along with the rebalancing, uh, far is in excess of what a retail investor typically does. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's an amazing chart that's gone around that shows the average returns of a retail investor versus other every, every other asset class, and it's around 2%. How in the world is a retail average investor returning 2% over the last 20 years when the stock market itself returned close to 10? Because they try to time the market. They try to do things like, oh, let's go into this and let's move out of this. And they get too cute instead of just being simple. Whereas uh, Target Date Find might have done 6 to 7%, uh, but it also has some fixed income exposure. So that's the first option is you could simply say, look, I'm going to target date and forget it. I would actually vie for that. I, I, I would I would think I would encourage you to do that. The flip side though is is that if your husband maybe is interested in doing some research, I don't I don't shun that. I, I think that's perfectly fine. But I think that these are let's call them five to ten year uh, allocation strategies. So what I mean by that is you can't go into small caps. I like small caps as well. I think it's going to be an area that there's some value. I think it's going to be an area that may or may not outperform. I don't know, but I do believe there's a place in it for your inside your portfolio. It's in your target date fund already. But nonetheless, if he wanted to allocate some additional capital, I think you got to give it at least five, I'm going to say 10 years to make sure you know, has this played out 
Uh, is this a wise strategy? If, if you go into it and it doesn't perform over the next six, nine months, 12 months, and you go, oh, I'm out of this, you just gambled. There's no reason for that. So I think you set an allocation and you look at it and you don't touch it for the next five to 10 years. The only other thing I would say is other than a target date fund that may have a little bit of bond exposure, let's say you're using a 2060, I'm not so sure adding bonds at your age right now is appropriate my personal opinion. Now, maybe your risk tolerance is, is such that you desire some bonds and that's fine. But in your 30s, I, I just don't see a lot of uh, a lot of you know need for bonds in a portfolio, especially when your dollar cost averaging in um, and your portfolio will grow far in excess of where it is today. That's what I got, Daniel. What do you got? Danny, I think you can still become a gentleman someday if you understand and abide by the rules of decent society. Yeah, I like it. I agree with you on the target date funds. They're a, a pretty straightforward and simple way to allocate your portfolio in a diversified and really well-managed way. I would say that sort of the easiest way to develop an allocation, sort of the most simplistic approach, is to look at two or three target date funds, examine their allocation across things like U.S. stocks, you know, large caps, small caps, any kind of REITs, gold if they have it, international just kind of take a look at what some of those are for sort of the risk tolerance that you have, the the mix of stocks and bonds and so forth that, that you like. Look at the you can look at the historic returns. Historic returns obviously don't always point to the future, um, past performance, yada yada. Take that and then if you decide to develop your own allocation outside of a target date fund, try to really articulate and explain why you're increasing one of those areas. Because what you'll notice as you look at a couple different target date funds is their allocation will be fairly similar uh, to a lot of those. They'll, they'll have around the same amount of small caps or large caps, international, uh, domestic stocks, things of that nature. Because that's kind of a, a well-balanced allocation based upon sort of investment theory here currently. So if you look at a target date fund, and let's say it has 5% small cap stocks, and you're deciding to increase your total family allocation from five that 5% to 10 or 15 or 20%, just be able to articulate why it is uh, and be able to explain it to yourself and, and maybe to somebody else. And if you could do that and articulate it well, then it, it may be a worthwhile thing to do. I think the hard part, uh, as Quint illustrated, is that's probably going to be a longer-term investment, whatever that is in that allocation, to see if it works 5, 10 years. And by the time that time period has transpired, it'll be hard... You, you don't have a lot of time then to change things if that didn't work out or, or if you were wrong. It's it's kind of tough. So you're when you're buying a target date fund, you're going with sort of a understood, well-diversified model. You're going to get basically the average. If you try to shoot above the average, you might also fall below the average is the simple of what I'm trying to say. Very good. <laughs> I, uh, I like it. Keep it simple. I mean, whatever you do. Are you going to get hurt adding a small cap, you know, long term? No. You're going to get hurt adding a mid cap? No. Um, bond fund might underperform, but nonetheless, you're not going to get hurt with those things. Where you'd get hurt is micromanaging and not giving them enough time to play out. My brain hurts! So that, and, and I've seen that constantly. I've seen that in my own uh, situation as well. So keep that in mind. And again, I just think simplicity is is critical. Simplicity, the, the greatest investors I've seen keep it so simple. And and then you wake up and, and they have massive portfolios and they've done very little to, to micromanage it. it is one of the greatest sort of 
I don't know, you know, shilling. I'm trying to use appropriate word. Wall Street, they try to make it so complex. Like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. You don't. You don't have to be so complex. Um, now, if your situation is complex and you need strategies for that from a tax, investment, man, you know, that's fine. But it's all about simplicity, controlling your emotions, staying on the right course. And as we say, and I'll just conclude it here, what's the secret to wealth? Living on less than you make, investing the rest, keeping it simple, and doing it for a very long time. Jessica, thanks for the question. We'll send you a $25 gift card. Everybody else, make it a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.